Hey everyone, welcome to the Coastal Podcast. I'm Pastor Lucas Granger and want to say thank you for listening in. May this podcast bring some light to your world today. Enjoy grace and peace. Those cards and pray about it. Amen? All right, all right. The book of John chapter 4. John chapter 4. We've been in the series Part two coming at you this morning, we're talking about joy. And we looked last week at joy and the obedience that comes with it. Well, just, man, the, the joy that comes from being obedient to Christ. We've been looking at John chapter 4, particularly this conversation that Jesus is having with this woman at the well. I'm going to read, starting with verse 9. So Jesus has come. He's sitting beside his, the well. The disciples have gone off into the city to buy some food because they are hungry. A Samaritan woman comes up to Jesus and asks him for something to drink. Now it starts here in verse 9. The woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with the Samaritans. And she said to Jesus, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? To which Jesus replied, if you only knew, oh man, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you don't know who you're talking to and you don't know the gift that God has for you. You would have asked me and I would give you some living water. But sir, you ain't got no rope. You ain't got no bucket, and this well is very deep. Don't you like how we tell all the Jesus all the things that he can't do and doesn't have? I love it. She's telling you, you ain't got no rope, you ain't got no bucket. This well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, and listen to how she talks to Jesus. Listen to the attitude in this girl's voice. Besides, do you think that you're greater than our ancestors Jacob, who gave us this well, she don't know who she's talking to. She, that's like when, like when the kids start to mouth off to you. Child, you don't know who you're talking to. You have no clue. How can you offer better water? Mm, how can you offer better water than he and his sons and the animals that his animals enjoyed? And to which Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. And it will become like a fresh, bubbling spring within them that's giving them eternal life. Ah, I want this water. And so the conversation continues, and they begin to talk, and Jesus begins to read her mail. And soon he says, like, yeah, 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 go get your husband. Oh, you don't have a husband. Oh, that's right, you've had five of them, and the dude that you're with now isn't your husband, and to which she quickly changes the conversation. Oh, yeah, well, then why do you Jews, like, why do we say you got to worship over there? Worship? That's not what we were talking about. And so she switches the conversation because it gets into a real tense moment with Jesus. They have this conversation. Jesus reveals himself. Listen, you're talking to the Messiah. I am he. Just as this moment, the disciples come back. The woman is running off into town, and I want to begin here with verse 28. The woman left her water jug beside the well, and she ran back to the village to tell everyone. 
come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village to see him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging Jesus, Rabbi, eat something. But Jesus replied, I got a kind of food that you know nothing about. Did someone bring him some food while we were gone? The disciples asked each other. And then Jesus explained, no, that ain't it. My nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. You know the saying, four months between, harvest and, uh, between planting and harvest? But I say, wake up, look around. The harvest is already ripe. The harvesters are paid a good wage, and the fruit they harvest is people brought to what eternal life. What joy, what joy awaits both the planter and the harvester alike. You know this saying, one plants, another harvest, and it's true. I send you out to harvest where you didn't where you didn't plant. Others had already done the work, and now you get to gather in this harvest. Come on, amen. We all have got to harvest where we didn't plant. All of us stand on the shoulders of men and women that have gone before us. We all have a part of this within us. So this conversation starts. And uh, it starts with this address of the woman uh, to Jesus. And she starts it off like this. You are a Jewish man, and I am a Samaritan woman. To which Jesus like, thank you for being so obvious with that. It's interesting that she felt the need to have to point this out. You are a Jewish man. I am a Samaritan woman. And I think it's interesting because it would be good for us to remember this fact that Jesus was a Jew. Right? If I go to some of your houses right now and look at your wall, some of y'all have these paintings of Jesus on your wall. And every time I see these paintings, there's always a picture of white guy Jesus. You know, white guy Jesus, he's about 30 years old. He's got long blonde hair and crisp, bright blue eyes. And, and then you go to other places in the world, and, and I've been in China, and I've been to churches in China, and then you see Chinese Jesus. And you go to predominantly African-American churches, and then you see black Jesus. And then you go to some of the islands, and this was the best one. I went to this one island, and I saw reggae Jesus. And I got to tell you, I, I, I was digging reggae Jesus. I was like, man, I kind of, I like this reggae Jesus. And, and it's interesting that we like to paint Jesus in our image. And we kind of forget that he was a Jew. And he came for the Jews first. And she's, she's pointing out this fact. And I've realized, like, it's not just art that we put on the wall. Because that art is oftentimes an interpretation of our souls. And, and it reveals to the world, and it reveals what we think and what we believe and, and how uh, uh, our interpretation of who Jesus is. It, it, it's our idea of Jesus on canvas for the world to see. And I, and I looked, and I'm looking at this woman's life, and her entire life has been shaped and molded by the community she's been in, because there's Jesus, and there's, and, and there's, uh, or, or there's this idea of what the coming Messiah should look like, and then there's these two people groups, distinctly Jews, 
And Jews don't talk to Samaritans. And she needs to point this out. I'm a Samaritan woman. You are a Jewish man. Her whole life has been shaped by this fact. She lives in this world. Like, listen, it's not just about Jew and Samaritan, but it's also male and female. And and, and she didn't have the same rights as males in those cultures. And and, and certainly the Jews, she's lived this life where Jew after Jew have walked beside her, ignoring her, without saying a word to her, bypassing her, nose in the air. This is a world in which it's us versus them. There's Samaritans and there's Jews. And what's interesting is when Jesus begins to talk, In a manner that's different from the culture she has been raised into, her first reaction is surprise. The scripture says she was surprised. Surprised that Jesus asked her for a glass of water. How far does a culture have to fall that we're surprised when someone talks to us? How often are we surprised Man, why are you talking to me? We're just waiting in this line at Walmart. We're just just waiting in the line. Don't talk to me. How often are we surprised when someone like, oh, no, no, you go ahead of me. Whoa, surprised by kindness. Surprised when, when someone does something that you don't, it doesn't line up with your worldview. When someone that's different from you, rich, poor, black, white, Skinny, fat, all of these things, Jew, Gentile, Apple, Android, (laughs) talking to each other, surprised. Because the reality is, we look for comfort in what's familiar. We we, We go to the party, and the first thing we do once we get into the party is look for people who are just like us. Who's somebody that I could get along? So let me look at somebody that I think looks like me, has common interests as me. And we, we limit ourselves and we restrain ourselves to a world and a culture that is simply based on what other people's ideas are. And we build this world on externals instead of internals. And how many of y'all know we've got a lot more of the same on the inside than the outside? Yeah, there could be all of these different things, but that's the Jesus we like to paint. And so we have this idea of this woman born into this world, shaped by this cultural norm. And each one of us has been as well. You have been born into a world in which your world and your view has been shaped by how you've been brought up, the people you've been around, the the surroundings you've been adapted to, the white Jesus on the wall, whatever it may be. Like we're in the South right now, right? Right? We're in the South right now, right? Okay, I know there's a lot of Jersey folks in the room. If you give us some chicken, we're going to fry it. All right? Why? Because that's what we do. We give you some chicken, you're going to try and boil it. Because that's what you do. And you have to assimilate to the culture of like, no, 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 don't boil that chicken. It's not a pasta noodle. Throw it in the deep fryer because you're in the South now. And we will fry anything. Have you been to a southern fair? Come on, y'all. We will fry some pickles. We will fry some ice cream. We will fry a candy bar. What, I don't know, but fry it up. We will figure it out. And y'all will boil something to death. Life is not made up of all pasta noodles. Come on. We get, and it's coming together, though. There, there's this idea, there's this culture that shapes us. 
There's this life that we've lived. And, and so what happens is the culture we grow up shapes us in one form or another. But then there's another thing that shapes us, just like this woman. We get shaped by our pain. See, she's lived this life in which she's had five husbands. Now, we don't know the situation with this woman. We like to make assumptions, but we don't know. Has she lost five husbands to cancer? Has she had five different tragedies? Have, have they left for different reasons? Did some of them cheat? Some, we don't know why she's had these five, but she's had five heartbreaks, five disappointments, five different times in which her life she thought it was getting better, and now pain has entered the picture again, so much so that now the guy she's with, like, I don't even know if I could go through this again. The pain, we're shaped by our pain. See, there's been things in your life, hurts that you've experienced, that if we're not careful, it begins to form scar tissues on our heart. and begins to form our worldview, because I've been hurt in this relationship, I'll be hurt in the next relationship. Because I was hurt at this church, I'll be hurt at that church. Because I was hurt in this job, I'll be hurt in that job. And so we begin to form our lives through this worldview of our pain and our hurt and our disappointments and our suffering, shaped by it. Now she lives in this world because you're a Jew and I'm, and I'm a Samaritan. And everything's been shaped by my culture, my pain. And so now she's surprised. A couple weeks ago, we were having some of the leadership team over to my house for a party, just celebrating together, just having a good time. And I had these little, um, I don't know, little campfire things that sit on top of your table, and you put the little wood pellets in it, and just a nice little fire uh, to, to sit on the table while everybody's eating and hanging out. And I'm running, out, and I'm trying to keep these little things lit, and they're impossible. And, and I'm learning real quick, this wasn't a good idea. Why am I doing this? Why am I running back and forth just trying to keep these little things? Nobody cares. Uh, but anyway, so I'm like, I'm just going to get rid of this one. And so I go and I pick it up. Yeah, 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 because I'm super smart. <laughs> and the second I pick it up, there's people right there, and my finger is like, oh, it's okay. I'm good. On the inside, oh, my God. I just burned my hand. Ice water, ice water. I'm going to put it down. And I go in, and like, I burnt, my, my burnt this finger all up. And, uh, you know, I just, you know, still, you know, but I'm in, I'm in party mode, so I'm not going to let it get me down. We'll deal with it later. The next day arrives, and I have my rhythm, I have my pattern. I go, and I sit into my chair, and I'm going to work on the sermon for a little while. And I have this computer in which it takes touch ID to make the computer work. Y'all know where I'm going with this. I touch the computer, and it, and it doesn't even tell you no anymore. The computer screen just shakes. That ain't you. I'm like, but it is me. And I'm sitting there on the computer. I'm trying to make the computer. And the whole time the computer's saying, you're not you. And so it's, it puts me into this big existential question of, if I'm not me, who am I? Who am I? Tell me because you don't see me anymore. And I realized sometimes our scars form a scar to where we don't even know who we are anymore because we've been shaped by our pain. And, and that, that, that's not you, and it doesn't even recognize it anymore. It's the kid that grew up in a home, and every day the kid was told that he was stupid. And so it formed this scar on his heart. And some of y'all are 50, 60 years old with the same scar. And all you could do is hear the words of your mother or your father that tells you you're stupid. I'm here to tell you that's not you. Formed by our pain. 
Um, not too long ago, uh, Billy's wife, Nicole, introduced me to this gentleman called Jelly Roll. I had no idea that such a name exists or a musician that exists. But she was like, hey, you got to hear this song. Listen to the song. Good song. Not recommended. Um, but through a series of events, I came across a clip of Jelly Roll, which looks like a Jelly Roll. He's a big guy. It's like 450-pound guy. And uh, he's doing an interview. And in that interview, he's talking about the church. And really his disappointment in the church into what he calls like just American Jesus. How we've Americanized Jesus and the church has done this. And, and, there's a, and, and he's bringing out, and, and all of his points on some level are very valid. And, and as I'm listening to the conversation that he's having with the interviewer and, and what he's saying about the church, all I could think is, man, this is a guy who's been hurt. At some point, somebody that was professing Christ hurt him. Some church, some pastor, something, something, and he's been hurt deeply, and, and it's coming across, and, and he's using it to form this language of like how we've Americanized Jesus, how we put white painted Jesus on the wall, and how that's not Jesus, and he's making really good points. And, and if you listen to the interview, you're like, that's pretty valid, and I can see that, and I can see that, and it's, it's actually everything that Jesus is saying. Yeah, yeah, you've painted somebody in, in, in your image, in your likeness, because you wanted to relate to them, because remember, we're attracted to what is, we're familiar with, and Jelly Roll saying, like, that's not the Jesus of the Bible. And so there's a part of you that's like, yeah, 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 and then you get to the end of the interview, and then he says this, if Jesus was here today, he'd ride a Harley. Do you see it? Do you see the irony? His whole thing is we've shaped Jesus into some other image. And he makes really good points, but then he says, no, no, but let's shape him to the image that I'm more comfortable with. If Jesus was more like this. And see, that's what we do, church. We repaint Jesus just on different canvases. And we think we're painting a little bit better picture but sometimes we've got to be careful that we're not just painting ourselves. That we're not just giving testimony to the Jesus who we want him to be rather than the Jesus who he is. And, and we're oftentimes painting a Jesus through this lens and this cultural view, and then also this Jesus through this hurt and this pain and the suffering that we've experienced in our own lives. And I love the fact that it just says, I think she was surprised, because I think Jesus wants to surprise us this morning. Jesus wants to do something that you aren't expecting See, the point of your pain and, your and of your culture can become the lens in which you filter your world. And when we do that, the outworking is this. We have a Jesus who is hidden in plain sight. He could be right next door and you not recognize him. He could be right here in this room and you not see him. Because you either want to put him in this canvas or that canvas. And I think for some of us, he just wants to surprise us this morning, surprise us with kindness, surprise us with joy, surprise us with some living water, something on the inside that's deeper than this well that you think is your source. She was surprised. Now, what's interesting is they have this conversation. She runs back into the town and tells everybody about this man that she's met. Come on, come and see him. Come and see this Jesus. Come and see the man who told me everything I ever do. And there's this joy, there's this excitement, and she has become an evangelist in like 30 seconds. 
in 30 seconds, she's gone from a saddened heart at a well to all of a sudden bringing an entire town to the feet of Jesus. Catch this, y'all. Why? Because she had an encounter with Jesus and she shared him with great joy. You want to know one of the best evangelism tools that you could have? Joy. Joy. Let the world see that you have met Jesus. Show forth what the scriptures call the fruit of the Spirit. Some love, some peace, some joy. You start manifesting these things until there's a, oh wait, something's different about that dude. They've got a love. that. How will they know him? They'll know him by our love for one another. The greatest evangelism, man, to just love and to have joy. And I know, we, well, what about apologetics and all that stuff? What about joy? What about, do we live a life that reflects that we've had an encounter with our Savior? Come on. I know, I know that's a hard pill to swallow. But the joy of knowing Jesus You'll know them by your love. She's surprised by grace. Surprised by, oh man, I've had all of these disappointments, but grace is now here. It rarely comes in the package you think. See, for her, you're just a Jewish man, and why are you talking to me? And now all of a sudden, it turns from this, and this, even this kind of a sarcasm, do you think you're greater? To, whoa, could this guy be the Messiah? We, and I love her response to Jesus, because Jesus is revealing to her that which she doesn't know. If you only knew who I am and the gift I have for you, because the gift that I have for you mm, is some living water on the inside. It's, it's something you weren't expecting. I know, I, I know you thought you were coming to this well for one thing, but I'm going to give you something else. And, and she just doesn't know how to, to, to comprehend this surprise, to comprehend this gift. And so her first reaction is an intellectual one. But sir, you ain't got no rope. This well is deep. And, and, and if you ain't got a rope, you can't get to it. The second thing you ain't got is you ain't got no bucket. So she came to the well. She came. I'm going to get it. Come on. She came to the well ready. I've got my bucket I've got my rope, just in case some of the kids stole the bucket the other day. There's supposed to be a bucket here, but I don't know. I just kept my bucket. I got my rope, and you ain't got nothing. Isn't that what we do to Jesus? I got, I got, my, I got my work. I got my job. I got my way of handling things. God, how are you going to do this? God, how are you going to handle this bad doctor's report? And, and, well, in order for that to happen, this has got to work out, and that's got to work out. And like, do you really think it works that way with Jesus? Do you really think Jesus has to check all the boxes for a miracle to happen? And, but, but, but in this woman's mind, you, you've got to have it. You've got to have your bucket. You've got to have your rope. This, this is how it works. And to which Jesus is saying, listen, you don't understand. The answer is right in front of you, and you don't need no bucket. You don't need no rope. But here's what you do have to have. You have to have the willingness to lay down your bucket. And you've got to lay down your rope. It says in the scriptures that she left her bucket. And she left her rope there at the feet of Jesus. And she ran back into the town. See, she, 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 she didn't get to carry it. She didn't get the thing that she thought she wanted. 
No, no. Jesus, I'm laying it at your feet. I'm giving up my bucket. I'm giving up my rope. I'm giving up my security. I'm giving up my source. You have to give up that which you've made your source for so long so that way he could give you something better. See, he can't fill your hands because your hands are already full. And it only works if you lay it down. Day after day coming to this well, it only demands more and more and more. I think about another story in the scriptures. The story Jesus tells of, uh, it's actually an encounter. It's an encounter that happens between Jesus and this rich young ruler. And, and this rich young ruler comes up to Jesus and he poses this question, what good thing must I do to inherit eternal life? And to which Jesus does give him a list. Do these things, follow these commandments, obey these laws, and love your brother as yourself. And to which he responds like this, I've done all of those things since my youth. What else is there? See, the response is, I've done everything you said to do, but there's still a hole in my heart. There's still something missing. What else is there? And to which Jesus replies like this, okay, well then sell all that you have, give it to the poor, and then come and follow me. And the scripture says that he walked away with great sadness because he had a whole lot of stuff in his hands. His bucket, his rope was filled with his identity. I'm rich, I'm young, and I'm a ruler. And you're telling me, in order to do this, I've got to lay this down, <laughs> give up everything I've known to follow you. See, the demand is the same. The demand is the same for, for this woman, for this man, all of these things. You have to lay it down. I can imagine the woman. See, I think it wasn't just a bucket she was carrying that day. It wasn't just a few gallons of water. She was carrying around five broken relationships. She was carrying around five disappointments, and it was heavy. The scripture said that she came at noontime, which is not the time that you come to the well. Historically, you would come in the morning or in the evening, in the cool of the day or the beginning of the dawn. You didn't come when the sun, we don't know why. We don't know why she's coming at that time. Was she just trying to avoid certain people? She's walking by herself to this place. We don't know what's going on. She sees this man in a distance. She sees him coming, but she's already made up her mind, oh, he's a Jew, he ain't gonna talk to me. And so now my identity is built on, well, I'm a Samaritan woman, and I don't know how to get it right. Pain after pain. And, and, and the guy that I'm with now, yeah, yeah, I'm not married to him, and there's some sin in our life. You see it? And... and, and the rich young ruler, oh, the complete opposite, but the bucket's still just as heavy. It's just as heavy because, oh, I've got all of these things. I've got all of these riches, and this is how people know me. I've got great possessions, and I've got title, and I've got power. All of these things that I can want, and it's heavy. I can't lay it down. I can't lay it down, and so... He has his bucket. She has her bucket. They find themselves in the story. And what's amazing is that in both stories, we're given a glimpse of the ending. 
in the woman's story, the glimpse of the ending, she lays it down. I will not find what I'm looking for in this anymore. And she leaves with great joy. But not in the rich young ruler story. In the rich young ruler, he left how he came. And he came with sadness, and he left with sadness. He came with filled hands, and he left with filled hands. All of those things because I'm rich, I'm young, and I'm a ruler, and I have great many possessions. Now, the scriptures don't say, say this, but I've got to wonder, whatever happened to that guy? How many, how many nights did he lay asleep at night thinking, what if I would have made a better decision? Well, because because the day came where he wasn't young anymore. The day came where he he spent those riches, in, or or he's going to have to leave them to someone else, and his title, his title will be stripped from him. It doesn't last forever. All of these things, all these pleasures of the world. I just wonder. See, the very thing I've been holding on to my whole life. What if I would have given it to Jesus? Well, because he called me to be one of his disciples. And he, he heard the stories of the disciples changing the world. I could have been one of those. I could have been one of those that, that they're writing the scriptures about and they're telling, but instead, I chose to hold on to this identity. I chose to hold on to these things because I couldn't imagine a life that was better without it. And so we hold on to our pain. We hold on to our cultural norms. We hold on to those things that we think are going to lift us up, and we don't realize they're actually just dragging us down. Night after night, I could only imagine. And I'm here to tell you, guys, if you're looking for joy, last week, yeah, there's joy in obedience. There's joy in surrender. In laying it down. In the realization that this thing that's had a hold on me for so long will no longer have a hold on me. See, money makes a great servant. It makes a terrible master. Sex makes a great servant. It makes a terrible master. Power makes a great servant. It makes a terrible master. And we hold on to some of these things because this is the world, this is the culture we live in. And we've got to have these things to find fulfillment. But this woman left empty-handed, and she left with great joy. And an entire town came because of this joy that she had. Now, now, now let's kind of switch gears for a second. So, so we have this encounter with this woman, and Jesus is teaching her this lesson because the lesson is, if you only knew, right? But now the, le the lesson switches at the end of the chapter to the disciples, and it switches from if you only knew to you think you know. See, you know the sayings. You know the sayings that you plant and then four months and then you have a harvest. And so Jesus is revealing to this woman what she thinks she, what she doesn't know. But now he's dealing with disciples. That there's something that you think you know that you're actually wrong with. See, you're, 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 you believe that there's this certain system that the world has and a certain formula in which things work, and you plant and you wait four months and you have the harvest. But Jesus is saying, no, wake up, look around you. The harvest is ready now, right now. Jesus is trying to get into to, to their mind. Listen, and he says, what joy awaits both the planter and the harvester? Guys, come on, we love harvest time. 
we love all the, they, no, no, but he's saying, listen, there's joy in the planting. There's joy in planting the seeds, knowing that you'll never sit underneath their shade. And they have the same joy. What joy both of these have. Look around you. The harvest is ready. It's ripe. There's joy in the crown, but there's joy in the cross. There's there's joy not just in in the the high mountaintops, but there's joy in the lowest valleys. There's joy in not just getting to the end game, but there's joy in the destination, y'all. There's joy when you're sitting beside this well at noontime. There's joy when all of these things, there's joy in our obedience. There's joy in our surrender. Paul says, listen, I've learned how to be content in all things. Whether I'm abasing, whether I'm abounding, whether I have a full stomach or an empty stomach, whether people are praising my name or whether people are throwing rocks at me, I have have a contentment, I have a joy. Why? Because I've had an encounter with Jesus. And when you have an encounter with Jesus, it changes everything. See, this woman has this encounter with Jesus. She surrendered. She leaves it on the ground. She goes and she tells everyone, listen, this is the guy. He's told me everything I ever know. She begins to share it. And I'm here to tell you, the world is looking at us, church. And it can spot people who have been with Jesus. Come on, you can spot people who have been with Jesus. As a matter of fact, when we get to the book of Acts, there's this part in Acts where it's like, like, these dudes are unlearned men but we could tell that they've been with Jesus. I don't know about you, but I want that to be my testimony. I want to be my testimony. Like, yeah, we came to church, we heard Lucas, but we found Jesus. Come on. Because that's what the Samaritan woman did. At first it says they heard her. They heard her talking about this man. They left, and then they say to Jesus, listen, we came because we heard her talking about you, but now we believe because we've seen you ourselves. Guys, that is the call of the church. That's what we're called to do is to simply introduce people to Jesus. Listen, he's changed my life. He's touched my life. There's a joy in my step. I've left my bucket at the well, and I'm telling you, if you'll just come and meet him, don't get caught up with who I am. Don't get caught up with all of these things. Just see the unexpressible joy that God has put on my life and changed, and I just want to introduce you to him, and if you just meet him for yourself, you can see that he is good. Let's stand to our feet. Worship team, come back up. How many of us have we been, we've been carrying around some buckets? We've been telling Jesus what he can and can't do. Jesus, you got, you got to have a rope. You got to have a bucket. Because there's some deep pains in my life. Jesus, in order for you to fix it, certain, no, no. He's like, that ain't your job to figure out that. I'll take care of that. See, if all we're doing is focusing on the how, we'll miss the who. But when you start focusing on the who, I don't even care how you do it. I just know that you'll do it. I just know that he who began a good work will see it through to the day of Christ Jesus. I just know that even if I don't see it in my lifetime, my kids are going to see it, or my kids' kids are going to see it. I don't have to have the answer on this side of eternity. But I know that you are good. And so with great joy, I could go towards this cross that's before me. With great joy, I can stand on this mountaintop and celebrate transfiguration and see Jesus for all of his glory. 
but I could also live for his glory in the pits of life, in the pain and the hurt of disappointments. And I refuse to let my culture dictate to me who Jesus is. I refuse to think that it's, it's this type of Jesus. No, 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 no. Man, because when I read about this Jesus, when I stand in his presence, oh man, you are holy. You are good. You are gracious. Even when I don't understand. Even when I don't understand why I've had to go through so much pain and so much heartache. Even when there's, it doesn't fill out nice. But God, I surrender to you anyway. Reality is, that woman had to come back to that well. She's going to get thirsty again. But only the next time she came to that well, it wasn't dependent on that bucket. It wasn't dependent on that rope. Because even when those things fade away, even when that well runs dry, Jesus has deposited something on the inside that springs up to eternal life. And even if that relationship doesn't work out, and even if this guy leaves me too, I found Jesus. Bow your head with me, close your eyes. Or maybe some of us have just been carrying around a weight that we can't carry anymore. Some of us, even maybe like that rich young ruler, like there's certain things that you're telling us just open our hands and watch what you can do. Imagine a life without these things. Lord, help us to surrender. Help us to give it to you. Help us as parents to put our children in your hands. Lord, help us as adults to put our dreams and our desires. Help us as Americans who have kind of grown up with certain things which we've kind of reshaped you into our image and our life. Help us not to reshape you into just another morphed image of ourselves. But Jesus, we want you, all of you. Because just as that woman said, you're a, you're a Jew, I'm a Samaritan woman. Jesus, we recognize you are God and I am not. And so we surrender to you, our lives in your hands in the room today and you don't know him may today be the day of your salvation may today be the day that you just surrender all to Jesus that you leave that bucket there once and for all because this is the moment where Jesus says follow me drop your nets
reveal to them that you are the source of life. And in you, there is joy forevermore. Church, let's take a few minutes. Let's just, we're going to run to the Father. That's what we're, yeah. Let's take a few minutes. Well, we hope this podcast has blessed you. In case you didn't know, we are in the middle of renovating a brand new facility right here in Brunswick County, North Carolina. So listen, two things. Please take a moment and pray for us. Also, if you'd like to give to the ministry, sign on to the website at mycoastalchurch.com slash giving. Hey, have a wonderful, wonderful day. Grace and peace.